So I think what I'm going to do at this time is use those, those magic washers again and the gel and the heat and cool and tighten stuff and see if that holds. Hey, I hear Gorilla Glue holds real well. <laughs> Welcome to the RC Roundtable Podcast, where we discuss the latest RC hobby news, events, model reviews, and a whole lot more. Hey boys and girls, welcome to the winter wonderland known as the RC Roundtable. And happy February to all. Uh, joining me today, of course, is the usual slugs, including Terry Dunn. <laughs> hey, how dare you call me usual? Okay, just... The, the normal slug. Thank you. Okay. And Lira. That's Mr. Freeze to you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, as a recording this, we're preparing for the the, the great freeze of 2021. It's coming it's in the next day or two. Freeze-mageddon. <laughs> Freeze-mageddon. <laughs> yeah. Because it's not snow, it's freeze that we're worried about here in Houston. Yeah. I, know, not... I think you guys are going to have colder, worser weather than Buffalo. Yeah, so, I mean, this is not some, you know, pansy Texans complaining about 40-degree weather. I mean, it's going to get into the single digits, right? Or pretty close to it? Right close. It's hitting 10 on Monday. But oh. you have to remember, it's not, it's not the snow that bothers us. It's the freeze and how people don't know how to drive on, on the road here. So they actually are, you know, shut down school already for Tuesday. And, really? Well, actually, Monday and Tuesday. Monday is a holiday, but Tuesday they've already shut down. And, and on the news, they're like saying, hunker down and be ready because it's going to hit us hard. Winter's coming, huh? <laughs> Winter is coming in two days, all at the same time. <laughs> I know this is hard for you, but winter is coming. Uh, are we going to get snow at least? I think further north, no, no. Uh, near Dallas, but I think Denied. it's like we're going to get the sleet part. It's too cold oh. for snow. I want the snow at least. Make a well, snow. Go, you better head out now. <laughs> After recording this, get in your car and go north. We'll go visit our buddies up in the Dallas area, get some snow. Well, now that I've been living in the great white north for a few years, I will share some of the basic driving lessons that I've learned. Yeah, don't. So I, well, yeah, exactly. I used to think that people who had been driving up here for a while had learned the techniques that allow you to drive at a normal speed in these conditions. But I was 100% wrong. What they learn is that you can't drive at a normal speed in these conditions. You just slow no. way down for everything. Yep. And the number one lesson is if you don't have to go anywhere, if you don't have to be in your car, just stay home. There's no point in putting yourself or others in danger. So, You're, You remind yeah. me of a story um, back when I lived in South Carolina, uh, back in the early 90s. They had a freak snowstorm during the week, uh, and I was at work. And so after work, I had to drive home. And this, at this point, quite a bit of snow had accumulated, easily six to eight inches, if not more. And very unusual, of course, even for South Carolina. And sure. I had never seen so many cars that were had been crashed in a ditch on the side of the road in my life that I probably could have walked home on the roof of all of them. Wow. It was, it was just amazing. Uh, of course, me being a you know, displaced northerner, I know how to drive home nice and slow and easy, but... Apparently, a lot of people didn't and ended up you know, crashed and swerved off the road in the, in the ditches and whatnot. So it was, I, to this day, I never forget that scene. Yeah. It's probably a good memory to keep in mind. Yeah. 
But anyways, on that happy note, <laughs> uh, what do we have for today? Uh, I did notice there wasn't really any new product announcements, so I guess we just kind of go into what uh, kind of interesting things we had happen to us the past couple of weeks. Well, I've got request. new products in my grubby hands. That's true, and so do I, actually, kind of, sort of, so I guess... So they might not be new to the market, but they're new to us. So I, have a new, I have a new product in my hand, too. It's called Coors Light. <laughs> it's a oh, temporary not, new product. Different topic? <laughs> a temporary new product, yes. Hmm. <laughs> Let's see if it lasts through the end of this podcast. Yeah. Well, well, Terry, you had a, you had posted a couple of things. Uh, I think one to our Instagram and one to our own private little group chat text. Yes. Uh, start with those. So let's go what private you got, what first. You got, what you got. Well, in our last uh, podcast, I talked a little bit about wanting to try a dedicated discharger rather than either the built-in discharger on my charger or the light bulb discharger that I use, which works fine. But what I ended up going with is the FD200 from ISDT, and that's available from BuddyRC.com. FD, FD for fancy discharger? That's it. <laughs> Insert your favorite F word here. <laughs> that fracking discharger. <laughs> so it's a, a little aluminum box. And we talked before about how when you're discharging a battery at home, basically the only method is to convert that electrical energy into heat. So the key with being able to discharge quickly is being able to dissipate a fair amount of heat. Right. So from what I gather, I mean, this thing's pretty hefty. It's basically a big old heat sink with a fan. And it's got some sort of microchip inside that controls this stuff. But it's compatible with 2S to 8S LiPo batteries. And it can discharge up to 200 watts of power. Mm, So depending on how many cells you're inputting, the voltage, uh, that limits the amount of current you can run. So So, I had instant thought. Well, it's going to do it automatically for you because there's settings on the front that allow you to do... 5, 10, 15, 20, or 25 amps. And if you plug in, say, an 8-cell battery and set it at 25 amps, it's just going to go at whatever the maximum it can handle is, you know, up at 200 watts. So, so, I, wonder how, if it, so I wonder if it's either hard-coded into it that with the voltage or it has temperature sensors that throttle it back or something. I don't know, but who cares? I do. Well, because <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, well, what if you water-cooled it? <laughs> yeah, you over, sure you can do it. that. What if you yeah. dipped it in a bucket, a five-gallon bucket? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Dip it in some mineral water or mineral mineral oil, not mineral water, mineral oil. I'm sure that there are other ways to dissipate heat more effectively. Well, well you, you splash probably, the water hose on it. You could pass them out to a lot of Houstonians on Monday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm going to hand out my batteries. Would y'all discharge them for me? <laughs> put your hands around it. <laughs> Head warmers. <laughs> oh, okay, anyway, okay, there. back you to me. <laughs> So I've been using, it's got a built-in XT60 plug, and of course I've got a bunch of adapters, so it, the battery plug doesn't matter. But on the unit itself, there's two buttons, one where you pick the number of cells, the other where you pick the current, and there's a few lights that show you what you picked, and that's it. You just turn it on and it goes, and it cuts off when the cells hit uh, 3.8 volts per cell. Now, it doesn't read individual cell voltages, it's just reading the entire pack voltage and then doing the division. So if you've got one low cell or something, it, it's not going to alarm that for you. But I don't think that's a big deal because if you were discharging it in your model, that's not reading individual cell voltages either. Yeah. So you're not really giving up anything there. And, is that and a full, we all 
balance charge, and you're looking at individual voltages. Yeah, plus so. it's not a full discharge. It's just a storage charge, so. Correct. Yeah, yeah, right. So my use of it so far is, it's been great. It's uh, really plug and play. You just hook up the battery, and it goes. Now, Does it beep or anything when it finishes? Oh, yeah, it lets you know. It's. Have you ever had one of those little uh, plug-in voltage alarms for your LiPos? Yeah. That is so obnoxious. It's It borders that level of, of obnoxiousness. Okay. So those same lights that tell you which selections you've done also indicate during the discharge kind of the state of it. So it's you know, either like five green lights for full, and then it gradually goes down to one light, and then, hey, you're discharged. Oh, okay. Yeah. So another neat feature of this, and I... I'm never sure where I stand with these kinds of features, but it has a Bluetooth connectivity. And so you can download an app for your phone and you can connect to this thing and control it from the app on your phone. And you know, sometimes that's good, sometimes that's bad. In this situation, it's mostly good. The app is a little bit quirky, um, but overall it works fine. The neat thing about the app is that you have more than five options for the discharge current. So, like I said on here, it's 5, 10, 15, 20, or 25. It gets uh, into half voltages down into low currents. And so if you have smaller batteries, you can really kind of fine-tune it to something better. You mean and half amps? What am I saying, voltages? Yeah. You said voltages, every, yeah. Every time I say that, just substitute in amperage. Okay. Um, yeah, so there's more granularity in the discharge current that you can select, and also it gives you actual voltage readings during the discharge, so you, you get real-time update. No, voltage readings. You said every time you said voltage, you meant amps. Well, but, ah, oh, I did say that. I didn't mean it for that time. <laughs> <laughs> you knew what I meant. So it lets you basically know the exact uh, potential energy of the battery so, at that point. So when it alarms, it can alarm on your phone too, your Bluetooth device? Um, you know, that's a good question. I I don't know if I've run all the way down to completion through the Bluetooth. Um, yeah, I don't know. Well, it'd be interesting. It could be handy if you're in a different room or something. Well, you should never leave a discharging LiPo unattended, Fitz. Uh, I'm sorry you were breaking up. I didn't quite hear you. <laughs> what? <clears throat> anyway, so that's this thing in a nutshell. It's pretty darn handy. Uh, I'm liking it so far. The, I don't know if this is a complaint or just an observation. I mentioned that it has the built-in fan. The fan's loud. So you guys complain about the fan on my laptop that sometimes uh, muddies up our recordings. This is louder than that by a good margin. But, you know, you want to get rid of heat, you you got to gotta make some noise. Yeah, so, yeah, Did so it's really a neat little device. <laughs> I, I just made that up. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, didn't Edison say that? I think he did. So the FD two hundred from ISDT available from Buddy RC, uh, a neat little device. I think they're uh, eighty bucks. How big is it? No, it's not bad. Um, to- toaster? Does it look like it's, it's bigger than a toaster? No, no, smaller much smaller than that. Than that. Uh, smaller than oh, it's probably about the size of your hand. If you hold your hand out flat, so what is it? Uh, six oh, inches okay. by four inches by two mm. inches. Ish. I don't have a ruler in front of me. Which way is two inches? Is that height or is that width? The, I guess when it's standing on its feet, that would be the width. Okay. Imagine holding a paperback novel in your hand. It's about that size. A thick hmm. paperback novel. Interesting. Yeah. That's probably why so, the fan's kind of noisy. It's a small, high-volume fan. 
Yeah, I'm I'm sure that's yeah. what it is. But, yeah, a cool little device that uh, again, it's not going to replace my bulbs. I don't think just because those are quick and easy. Well, I don't even know because this is quick and easy too. But yeah. I, I made those, so I'm kind of to them. <laughs> you got an emotional attachment tool. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I can't complain about this thing at all. It does what it does. It it takes a fully charged battery down to not a fully charged battery. Yeah. With you know, the push of a button, so there we go. That's, that's handy. Uh, is it only for lithium, right? Not for NICADs or anything like that. Uh, well, I guess it doesn't know the difference, but oh, right, because auto sensing volts is volts. So true, but you could it make it, it would confuse it because the voltage is different. So it would technically work, but depending on the size of the pack, you might over discharge it or under. Can you over discharge a NICAD? I thought. Oh sure. Were. Oh yeah. You can, you can get to cell reversal if you're not careful. You're but I thought you had to get past zero volts to do that. No, Well, you do, but that's over-discharging it. Well, let's let's do a mental exercise. So a three-cell LiPo would be roughly equivalent to a 10-cell uh, NICAD, right? Yeah. And so it's going to take that down to 3.8 volts per cell, which is, what, 3.8 times 3. Do the math. So, yeah, it's going to leave plenty. Yeah, but you don't want to discharge them too far. I think you, you discharge them down to, you know, I used to remember the numbers. Was it point six point? So this would be 1.14 volts per NICAD cell. That's, that's. Well, oh, that's fine. One point. Yeah. yeah. So no, you said, yeah. I think it was like point nine volts a cell or something. Yeah. Like yeah, I think you're right. That's considered like full discharge. Yeah. It's given all of its useful energy at that point. And they're like, what, 1.5 fully charged? So, yeah, I mean, I guess mm. if you're a weirdo who still flies with NICADs or nickel metal hydrides, you, you could use this. I know people that do. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> if you're a weirdo who likes brushed motors. <laughs> oh, we should talk about that too, right? <laughs> we could, yeah. yeah okay. uh, well, last question. Is this going to be a review somewhere? Um, a review, no, but I did write a uh, product spotlight for model aviation on it, which will be in some upcoming issue. Okay. So it's not really a complete, you know, unbolt the thing and dissect it kind of review, but it is an overview of what it does and how it does it. Ooh, did you take it apart? No. Oh. Do you want me to? Yes. Take I it apart, so send us some pictures. Okay, I might do that. I know cool. I'm going to open a can of worms here. No, he's going to open his charger. <laughs> no, no, That's what's inside this. Words. It's a bunch of worms. It's a bunch of worms. <laughs> Discharge through the worms. worms. <laughs> they smell like chicken. I guess worms are conductive, right? They're kind of... <laughs> oh, my God. Waste. If you heat them up enough. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> uh, I, I, this, again, I, I'm not trying to be uh, Mr. Uh, uh, renewable Energy, stuff like that, but... I. <laughs> <laughs> is it just too far out there to suggest that if you're going to have a discharger, maybe at least find a way to put that discharged energy to use or back into something you need? And for example, put a USB port on the side of that dumb thing. And so if you're going to discharge, if you're going to plug your battery in there anyway, and you're trying to get rid of the energy to balance the cells, why not have a, a little power, you know, BEC to allow something to charge off the energy? While you're also discharging it slowly, yeah, charge your phone, idea. charge your Bluetooth speaker, you know, charge something else in your workshop off the USB port yeah. while you're discharging the battery. 
they or, do make adapters that convert. I, I forget what the cell range is, but basically it's just a five volt out with a USB plug that you could do that. It's not integrated into this charger, but uh, something you could do. You could hotwire it in there. Yeah, I guess if you're a, a tree hugging hippie like Lee, you can <laughs> do that kind of stuff. Um, I, I've hugged. Oh my gosh, no. Well, I'm actually, gonna, Lee, I'm going to censor myself here. Beep. Now, now, Lee, it being wintertime, it is doing useful stuff. It's transferring that power to heat. There so you go. he's warming up his house it, it, well, doing that. I I don't know. Did did Terry actually take a, a tem- temperature gauge off the the box and how hot it was warming up? You know, because he didn't, you know, it may not be providing any heat whatsoever. So, oh, no, yes. no, no, no. You can feel when that fan kicks on, you can put your hands on the back and warm them up. Okay. So is there a little label in there that says, so if you're living in the cold areas of town, put this sucker around, uh, you know, cold parts of the room, heat that area. No, I'm just saying it would be helpful. Maybe it would be helpful. I don't know if it would be utilized, but I'm just thinking if you have a USB port on the side and you're already plugging in a battery, because you're trying to discharge, you're trying to, you're basically wasting that energy as heat, as they say. Why not? Uh, why not use it anyway? Just putting that feeler out there in case anybody else is coming up with that idea. I no, will I, say, I, I do agree with you, Lee. As a, an engineer, or I should say, former engineer, I, I have a thing for efficiency. Oh, you're, and you're still an engineer, energy. Terry. You still engineer uh, stuff. Not a practicing engineer. But on on my battery charging box, I have a 12-volt power supply that splits off into, uh, I guess, maybe four uh, banana plugs for 12-volt adapters. But also on that box uh, is a USB port, and I use that all the time. And I throw in several USB connectors for either uh, micro USB or my lightning jack for my iPhone into the box. So if I'm at the field and I need to charge something, I'll use that USB port off the side. Because I'm already okay. powering that. So i sure. just trying to think out of the box there. and Maybe someone adapts to, uh, another discharger to utilize that power. Okay. All right. That's yeah. not bad. But, <laughs> you know, I'm not selling you, though. No. I don't That's disagree with that. It's just it's such a small part of If you're uh, just charging yeah. 200 watts, but your cell only uses 5 watts to charge. Well, kind of <laughs> you know what? Maybe you know, this is perfect because this, this is my odd segue. That's like the features on my new Suburban. They're so trivial. It makes no sense to put an auto stop on my Suburban when I come to a stoplight. Because the power it probably takes to restart my engine <laughs> and the gas it takes makes no difference on them trying to save fuel. <laughs> it's so minuscule. I'm yeah. at risk to doing more damage to my car by stopping and starting it and most likely on that starter motor than yes. I am trying to save two ounces of fuel. I've never heard a good answer on what that does to your starter motor lifespan. Hmm. Starting and stopping all the time, unless it's a brushless starter motor, I think that's just you're prematurely wearing out your starter motor. Absolutely. So and that's why battery. I click that button when I get in the car, <laughs> turn that thing off. <laughs> so again, I maybe I'm pointing up something that's totally useless, but there might be some someone out there who's thinking... What a great idea. So I probably <laughs> lost all my money. Someone's coming out with it. And <laughs> oh, well. All right. Well, I'm going to negate all of your ideas because here's my million-dollar idea. We hook alternators to all the treadmills and exercise bikes in the gyms around the world and feed those into the power grid. Oh, Absolutely. Lutely. I love that. In fact, <laughs> you, you mentioned that, Terry, and many years ago. I remember watching this on TV. It was a you know, 
late night news story, but this guy had rewired the game room in his house. This is in the eighties on, on a bicycle. And the only way they could watch television, the kids could watch TV is if they ran that bike. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen actual console, like kid consoles that were like that. You had to do some sort of activity to keep it going. So let's let's save the voltages. Let's put a, put a USB <laughs> Is that our new campaign? <laughs> Hashtag save the voltage. Save the voltages. Transfer the voltages. Yeah. <laughs> Share the voltage. Uh, okay, let's move on. I think we've, I've killed that one. Have we? Are you sure we haven't stomped it to death yet? <laughs> let's give it a little bit more le- life to, to exist a little longer. Yeah. Let me jumpstart it with my lipo. <laughs> oh, no, it's it's discharged. <laughs> Okay, let's move on. So do you want to hear my other new product, or shall we uh, let somebody else talk first? Sure, Terry. Okay, so the other new thing that I'm looking at is what I've affectionately started calling Zero Channel RC, which is basically a free-flight rubber band-powered model. And this is a new model that the AMA has introduced as part of their educational program. And they previously had one called the Alpha, which is, uh, it kind of looks like the rubber band powered planes you would think of from your childhood. It's got a balsa fuselage. Um, The wings and tail surfaces are not balsa, they're foam, but they assemble the same way as those old Gillows kits you had. Mm. And the primary difference is that these have much more substantial motors than the others. These are actually strips of... On the Alpha, it's 8-inch rubber. On the Beta, this new one that I have, it's 8-inch, uh, and there's also a strip of 3-16-inch rubber. And it's a, a much bigger length of it, and it comes with a 20-to-1 winder. So you're not oh, doing nice. one revolution of your hand for every back revolution of the prop. It's 20-to-1. Uh, so you're putting a lot of energy into these yeah. rubber bands. And that, you know, on the side of that smart discharger, they could have a little automatic winder for this zero-channel aircraft. What do you think? No? Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just... Oh, okay. yeah. Shut um, up, Lee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can somebody mute him? Yeah. So, anywho... Um, the I have the beta here. I'm not sure if the one I have is a pre-production model or the final version because the Amy asked me to put together a video on it. Hmm. And so I agreed and I, I've got that here. But it's very interesting that the horizontal tail, tail surface yeah, and the vertical and then the wing, they're all foam, but they're not flat. They actually have an airfoil shape. Uh, molded into them and they've got nice graphics on them and yeah. they've got plastic pieces to interface with the fuselage so yeah, basically so it just I pushes into place got a picture of it uh, yeah. i think it's one you sent it's uh, really really quite colorful and pretty snazzy looking polyhedral yeah, wings looks like it's gonna say yeah it's got polyhedral and it's got adjustable ailerons rudder and elevator oh really uh, to trim the wow. flight yeah Even ailerons, like i wow. said it it comes with a substantial rubber motor with this big winder and a, a big fat prop yeah, I see it's got a really long fuselage. Looking yeah, and most of the length of that fuselage is just to accommodate the big motor. So um, have, you a, have you had a chance to fly them? No, I just got it a couple of days ago, and while my weather is not as bad as yours, it has not been flyable. I presume these need single-digit winds, and we haven't had that. Mm. Uh, so, I'm hoping to get out tomorrow and try these things out. So, so I'm curious how well the rubber motor, if it's a... Uh, if it's like the old, like you talked about the old, I don't know, Gillows or whatever, that 
you wind them up and they scream their lives out for about five seconds and then it versus the more traditional free flight which has a better matched rubber motor and prop that you know, maybe spins less rpms but runs for a lo- much longer that kind of deal if it right if it's um gonna... i don't know the answer but you and i went to geneseo to the flying aces club nationals what was it yeah. two years ago or three years ago so we got a glimpse of the best of the best of these things so i think yeah. we're fairly calibrated in what rubber band airplanes are capable of i guess that these are going to fall somewhere in between um, again, there's no doubt when you look at these motors and the winder and all that, you're going to get more power for longer periods than the old mm-hmm. dime store planes. Um, but I think the general nature of rubber motors is that you get that burst of energy at the beginning and then it settles into a, a lower power level for a decent amount of time. That being said, I don't know, I'm not qualified to say what's optimal or what's best for this particular airplane i'm just going to assume that whoever designed it knew what they were doing and like i said you do have options here you can start out with the eighth inch wide rubber just to get trimming flights or if you're doing indoor and then you can go to the three sixteenths to get a little bit more oomph wait does it come with different rubbers or you just two different planes no it comes with both it comes with eighth inch and three sixteenths. Okay, yep. I thought you said there was different planes that came with different rubbers, but oh, that's well, nice. no, the Alpha, which is a little bit smaller airplane, only comes with eighth inch. The Beta is, I'm guessing, like thirty to forty percent bigger, and it comes with both sizes of rubber. Of course, the next question is: You think you put some RC gear on one of them? Uh, that thought has crossed my mind. You could probably put a UMX brick on here and have a decent airplane. Yeah, yeah, because this has ailerons and rudder already sort of built into it. Uh, as trim tabs. I don't well, know if they'd yeah, be effective as control surfaces. Uh, but you wouldn't be. want ailerons on this guy anyway. Yeah, ailerons are probably overkill, but, you know, it'd be still something that you can at least work off of. Maybe. Let me fly them in their intended role first, and then mm. I'll consider hacking them up. Maybe put a camera on it. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> a couple of cameras on the wing, drill some holes four, in it. Four cameras. Yeah. <laughs> um, more camera than plane now. So I spent some time last night building a stooge. Does that mean anything to you guys? Stooge? Larry Curley or Moe? <laughs> right. With the, when you're using a winder like this, obviously you have to have something to hold the airplane, whether oh, it be yeah, another yeah. person. Yeah. But when we were at Geneseo, it's interesting that all the people out there had these fancy ways of holding the airplane. Well, Almost all of them had these really ornate uh finely built wooden boxes that held all their gear and also integrated some sort of mount for the models. Mm. And most of them had a horizontal peg that goes through the rear of the airplane. So the back post for the rubber band and then the front bearing for the motor comes out and you attach your winder to that. These airplanes are the opposite. The The front bearing doesn't come off the airplane so you pull the rubber band off the back post and you attach that to the winder and then you wind it up and transfer it. Well, you so, wind up from the back? Yes. Really? Yep. Yeah, it's funky. Yeah, a little bit. I've never seen yeah. that before. Interesting. Right. Yeah. Well, I've never worked with any of this, so it's all novel to me. Mm. But they do, in the instructions, they talk about building a stooge that if you're by yourself doing this, something that'll hold the airplane for you. <laughs> and um, they just talk about putting a couple nails in a two by four, and mm. I presume that would work. But I went a little bit fancier with it, and I made a thing that's... Uh, 
a little uh, Tupperware thing that I can put all the gear in, and it doubles as a, a mount for the plane. Net of that, there's a thing that holds the motor bearing and keeps the propeller from spinning. So basically, I stick the airplane on that upside down, and then I can use the spinner or the, the winder to wind up the rubber and go. So it seems to work okay in the house. Um, I've got a couple clamps so that if I'm outside, I can clamp it to a park bench or whatever to keep it from moving around. So we'll see how it works, and maybe I need to tweak it. But it was a, a fun little mental exercise to put all that together. Mm. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, so uh, I'm interested to try it out. You know, I'm excited just to see how well these things fly as rubber band powered airplanes. So we've seen some really neat stuff, and we've seen what they're capable of. So I, I want to see how well these airplanes do. And I will certainly let you know. Any more questions? Waiting for the flight test results and the video, of course. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to shoot some video. You better believe it. Just take that fuselage off and just glue the wings to the run cam. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So you guys also have fun new toys. Tell me about them. So, yes, I've got a couple things uh, that I've, one, I've been working on for some time now. I finally got really to the, near the end of it, and something new came in as well. So, which one do I start with? The older new thing. The older new thing, okay. So, that that was a group project. Uh, we, with Lee and I, we, uh, with Lee's help, we had a big outing, was it last weekend, I think? Uh, the, if you saw that I had been working on the uh, the Moraine Saulnier, uh, the Legend Hobbies Seagull models, uh, one-third scale, World War One parasol wing. Is that uh, how you pronounce that? I, I don't know. I'm just making... I guess it's French. You did not consult a Frenchman? I did not consult woman? a Frenchman, no. But oh, on my video, somebody who did speak French didn't didn't chide me for it, so I'm, maybe, <laughs> I'm pretty close. Okay, so if there are any French speakers listening now, let us know the correct pronunciation yeah. for... Yes. For that. I've only spent two days in France, so I, and, and whatever I learned in grade school. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we, um, we decided to get together because we had, there's a couple other ones in the area. One that was just finished that needed to be maidened. So we trudged up to meet Lee at his club. He's got a nice grass field and it wasn't too busy and it was a really nice day. So we were out and we had a chance to fly our Sonnies around the field. Did you get past security? I got past security. All right. Unless Lee has something to add to that, I didn't have any issues. I know nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I had backup. So, if I had any issues with security, I had uh, a few other people that would have uh, could have um, plan could have pulled rank. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so it was it was a great day out. We had a nice day. It was neat to see three of them at, in the same place at the same time. And these are not small planes. Plus, another guy showed up with a really nice um, captured Sopwith pup, I believe it was. That's oh, really I big. saw that. Yeah, it's weird because it's like, hey, it's the uh, a, a German. Wait a minute. That's a British plane <laughs> <laughs> with German markings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's our buddy Jay. He's our he's our World War One lover. And he brings out a lot of beautiful airplanes out to the field. Yeah, I would make one... a Fokker joke, but that's too obvious. <laughs> 
that fucker is a sop with anyway yeah it was because i thought at first it was a joke and he said no and he pulled out some documentation indeed and back in world war one a germans captured a, a, a sop with and painted it up with the german markings except they kept the sop with on the tail it still said sop with but it had the iron bars on a on the side and it was painted black and white it was really unique and uh, he flew it a couple times i think as well nice guy uh, so we had a good time, Lee. With thanks to Lee, we had some. She took some great shots and some video, and uh, we it was interesting to see that we flew mine, which has a 60 cc engine in it, and the other guy had a 40 cc uh, oh. twin, and even the company says uh, 50 to 60 cc on it. So we were like, well, this ought to be interesting if it'll fly. How well it'll fly at a 40, and it did pretty good. Very scale like. You're not going to jerk it into the air. Uh, but, you know, what's up on step, it flew really well. It flew really nice. Is um, that the same engine you have on your shot cub? It's the same exact engine I have on the shot cub, yes. Okay. Um, he, although he was using a slightly smaller prop than I, even, even I was using on a shot cub. So, hmm. and I think he said, yeah, he's going to try a different prop. I think he was running a 19-inch, and I run a 20, uh, and I like the 20 better. Yeah, so he, he definitely said, yeah, I'm probably going to put the 20 on it, see if I get a little more thrust out of it. But, uh uh, but he, he was even able to coax a loop out of it. And, and uh, his, uh, I have a video out that I just produced on a build of it. And I actually took some time aside to go up to this other guy. His name is Larry Altman. And he he got the almost ready to cover version. So his his came built but not covered. And so we on the video we talked to him about how he covered and how he painted it. And he did really, really nice job of of painting it and weathering it he's got a custom paint scheme on it uh it just looks really really nice custom pilot uh really i mean the thing looks like he could take it to a scale competition it looks really nice yeah i agree it looks pretty i mean yours is nice but when i saw his i'm like ooh. yeah he did a really nice job it, it blows everybody else out of the water and it was a third guy there i forgot his name he's he's taking the regular arf and he's modifying his he's adding metal what do you call that um that tape that you get at Home Depot, the um, like the aluminum tape, aluminum tape, yeah, aluminum duct tape, whatever we call it. not duct tape, but uh, I the AC tape, yeah, AC tape, yes. And so mm-hmm. he did the cowl and part of the note, the front of it, and it's aluminum tape. It looked pretty good. So, what is the it's, cowl usually made of? I think it's metal. I think it's just painted normally, versus oh. like bare aluminum. Hmm. Uh, he okay. said there's a lot of different variations of it in the research he did. So, well, I meant the kit. Oh, is the kit plastic? is. I'm sorry, sorry. I thought you said the real one. The kit is fiberglass. Okay, I see. So he's simulating metal with that. Yeah. So, okay. um, not much else I can say about that. It's just uh, it was the first time I was actually able to take it up and really ring it out. The first flight we did at another field, I basically just did a bunch of circuits. Uh, so we can get some shots for the... It's going to be a, uh, a review article in Mo, uh, Model Aviation News. So okay. in fact, they're putting the finishing touches on it now. should be ready by the end of the weekend. And so we flew around a couple times. When I landed, um, we had an incident with the wheel, and also the muffler came off and some other Again? stuff. Again? So <laughs> I cannot keep that muffler on to save my life. I don't know what's well, going on with that You might engine. now. You should talk about how... How what came together, you know, through camaraderie. Oh yeah, to, yeah. To <laughs> fix about, that. Yes. But it was funny because as soon as he started it, I went. I was like waving fits. Your muffler's off. <laughs> <laughs> so so basically, every flight I've had, the mufflers come off or loosened up pretty significantly. <laughs> and I and I've 
every time I reattachment, I try something new to see if it'll hold it on, and it still hasn't worked, uh, which is which is kind of frustrating because the engine itself is beautiful. It runs fantastic. The auto start is wonderful. I barely had to tune in any. It's a great running engine, but for some reason, it doesn't like the muffler. It's like, icky, muffler. Why don't you have a muffler? <laughs> Mufflers are for, for wimps. So anyways, out at the field, uh, we had one flight. It was a nice flight, and I was like, you know, it sounds kind of loud when I started up again, and yet the muffler was off. So um, I thought I was done for the day because I lost the screws. The muffler was you know, bouncing around in a cowl, but the screws were gone. And it just so happened because um, one of the other guys that came up to watch the flight and hang her out. Glenn. Had Glenn, our buddy Glenn. He happened to have the same exact engine new in a box in his car. I think he might have picked it up from the vendor. Um from uh, Tomas, who's who's out as well. Maybe uh, they, he picked it up that same day. I'm not sure. But he had the same exact engine in the box. He says, hey, I got the engine. I got You can use my screws. Uh, you know, I'm not going to put anything in any time soon. And you can use the, um, it comes with a little grommet, uh, not grommet, a gasket too, because the gasket kind of broke it off. Okay. And so that was real nice of him to offer, let me use his part. And so uh, I was able to, uh, not only that, another guy had some thread lock, some special type of gel high-temperature thread lock. He said, try this too. I found I've had better luck with this than any other thread lock out there. Um, so he said, you get it at the uh, auto parts store. It's a, uh, I don't have it in front of me. I forgot who makes it. I don't know if it's Loctite well, or not, but it's was a that, gel. So Glenn had the mouth, but wasn't it Tommy who was telling, giving you the advice about putting the RTF on? Um, I don't remember. Somebody told me about RTF, but another guy had some gel thread lock there at the, at the uh, field. Oh, okay. So RTF. RTF. Room temperature RTF. vulcanizing rubber. What, is RTV. RTV. RTV, excuse yeah. me, sorry. FV. <laughs> Just letters. <laughs> What's the Roman equivalent? <laughs> five. RT5. <laughs> okay. So, uh, yes. So that was a great recommendation to let it warm up and then tighten it down one more, you know, so you torque it at just good luck. temperature. Yeah, so yeah, what I did was, idea. yeah, I put the screws in, I put in that gel thread lock, and I tightened it, torqued it as best I could, started the engine, ran for about 30 seconds, and shut so it down. Is there actually a torque value, or is it all you got? There's no torque value. I just, whatever okay. I got. And then I torqued okay. it down again after it warmed up a little bit, and then I put everything back together, and then I was able to do another flight. And this flight was neat, Terry, because it was in formation with the other Solner. So we had two in the air at the same time, flying formation. <laughs> Except one was full throttle, and Fitz was like right above stall speed. <laughs> <laughs> there definitely was a power difference. Yeah, <laughs> but you know that's what the throttle it made was an for. interesting sound. The harmony that came out of the two engines was kind of neat. You were definitely bass. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he was soprano. <laughs> yeah, we had to switch position because I was out in front first. No, he was out in front first. And I was having a little issues trying to match his speed. And he says, well, why don't, you just, why don't we swap? So I went out in front and just set one speed. And he was able to easier regulate his speed. And so then we were able to tighten it up a bit and get some good oh. shots. I hope. Get some good passes. Um, cool. So the last flight, the muffler did not come off. Did the screws even loosen? They did. They did loosen just a touch. Hmm. So, it, uh, so it's it, just going to be a maintenance issue that you deal with between the flight. Yeah, but those at least magic, an, wa- magic washers didn't work at all. Yeah, those magic washers didn't work, which I was really surprised. I might try them what, again. Your eBay washers didn't solve the problem. No, these are not. No, these are not just eBay. These are actually name brand. I had to come off of eBay because they're hard to get, but they're actually well known. So I think what I'm going to do at this time is 
use those, those magic washers again and the gel and the heat and cool and tighten stuff and see if that holds. One more time. Do Maybe the RTV thing. I hear Gorilla Glue holds real well. Uh, I'm going to use, I'm just going to bail Zip. Easy, big fella. I wonder if zip ties will work to hold the thing. Oh, I had to put it in there. Uh, so is it bolts or screws? They're screws. They screw into a tapped uh, engine case. Okay. Threaded engine case. So, You know, it's uh, funny. Only recently did I recognize the difference between bolts and screws. I used the terms interchangeably for a long oh, time. Yeah, I guess it's technical. Yeah. I just never gave it much thought. But that said, I'm open to suggestions. Anybody listening to this, if you run the EME series engines and have an issue with the, the muffler bolts lighten, uh, loosening up and you found a solution, send us a, send us a note. I'm open to suggestions. Contact at rcroundtable.com and uh, let us know. I'm really curious if anybody else has that same issue. No, uh, is it, this a problem unique to that brand of engines? Uh, I did some some minor research, and apparently, yes, there's some other people have had some issues with that as well. Some people say, mm-hmm. no, I never had a problem at all, and some people say, yeah, I can't keep this damn bolts in. So, And uh, it's only the muffler. Bolts. Just the muffler, yeah. Everybody else is fine. Like I said, it's a mm-hmm. wonderful right. engine. Just I don't know why. I don't know if it's the gasket itself is, is loosening up or something. Maybe I should just take the gasket out and just bolt it metal to metal like the um, RCGFs are. I'm not sure. Or instead of gasket, just use some RTV or right. gasket material instead of mm-hmm. the. Maybe that's what's happening. It's shrinking and under heat or something. And, All right, know. I'm going to back up a little bit before we go too far. Why? Why? <laughs> this is this got me. So you were talking about the difference between bolt and screw. Yeah. Okay. So a bolt uses a nut and a washer. A screw is self-tapping, right? No, a screw threads into the thing you're attaching. A bolt goes through the thing and has a nut on the backside. All right. So what about a machine screw? Because they're actually called machine screws. Okay. What, but they're, your they're not self-tapping. So a wood screw would have the same thing. It just screws in. Right. But, but it's not what do you mean by screw, self-tapping? But a machine screw has threads that you can use a bolt with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just the application used was whether it's defined as a bolt or a screw. Yeah. I think they're just there to confuse us all. I'm sure that's it. Yeah, well. <laughs> just hammer engineers. it. Just hammer it in there. Use it as a nail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so anyways, we had a good night, good time out. I don't know if Lee has anything to add, uh, but uh, I have a build video I published on my art on Hobby View. If you want to see how everything goes together, a flight video is coming. It's going to take a while for me to get that all finished up, but uh, that's next after I finish the current video I'm working on, which is the um, Panthera 3D printed plane, which is also be ready this weekend man you got a lot of irons in the fire i do uh, has it felt like work yet <laughs> yeah sometimes it feels a little bit like work then you kind of get in the groove and you just go with it but yeah, yeah. and i still mentioned the other review i just that's just popped up on my table well mention it now oh i mentioned now i've i have in my grubby little hands the we talked about it in the show before the e-flight fuck off 190 Mm. Yeah, so I have the butcher bird that they just they just came out with. Have what size is that? One point five mm, meters. Metres? Just one mm. Metres, yeah. So That's a it. pretty good size airplane. Yeah, I guess it's about the size, same size as their Mustang, the big Mustang they have. Oh, okay. You've got one of those too, right? I do. I mean, that was a very nice flying model. So I'm looking forward to this uh, to the to adversary. Is it a six cell? Set Indeed up. it is. Yeah, same thing. Six L, five to seven thousand milliamp hour. 
battery pack, so I'm ready to go. Okay. Have you done anything with it yet? I have not. I just took a peek in the box a little bit, and that's it. I've been so busy with some other stuff that I uh, hadn't had a chance to um, really do anything. Hopefully, well, if I can get the heat working in my garage, I might work on it this weekend. Hmm. Okay. Well, I can't imagine there's much to do. No, no. Usually these things take, what, half an hour to put together? Yeah. Um, Both with the videoing. widget to the doohickey and yeah, flip on very, the switch. Very little, but, you know, videoing stuff does take a little longer. Yeah. That's true. Anything else? Okay. Um, now, in one they... of your recent videos, you talked about this Kyosho Flash that you picked up. Yeah, that's been sitting on a box on the table on the back burner. You were looking for some old school batteries for it. Were you able to find anything? Oh, yeah. Uh, the local hobby store has some. Oh, you're just going to use a car pack? Um, yeah, that's what they were designed for. Yeah, I guess so. Okay. Uh, pretty much. Um, I don't know so for those who special. don't know, the Kyosho Flash was an early generation electric powered aerobatic model. It's kind of like a pattern plane. Yeah, yeah. It looked like a real nice just sport, sport aerobatic plane. Yeah. Six cell... Or seven cell NICAD, yeah, rushed O five motor, yeah, the gearbox, yep, typical Kyosho formula for the late eighties. Mm. So, all right, I'm interested to see that because you know how it loves me some Kyoshos. Yeah, yeah. So I'll keep you updated. All right, if you ever walk out to your garage and it's missing, you'll know, know I was the there. Yeah. <laughs> the mass bandit, plane bandit. Terry, did uh, you happen to see what Tony posted on his Facebook page on like his retirement build collection? Yeah, he picked up one of those old Kyosho ag wagons, right? Ag wagon, yeah. 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 I was wondering uh, if you'd try to make him offer or something. <laughs> <laughs> you, no. Tony, you don't have time for that. Here, take some cash. <laughs> no, no. I, I like to see that stuff in Tony's hands because he gets to it quickly and he actually does something with it. So if it got into my hands, it would be in purgatory for a while. So I I have no jealousy. Like same reason I'm not jealous of Fitz. Mm. You guys will do good stuff with it, and I'm happy to to see it fly. It doesn't have to be mine to fly. So there's here's our shout out for those of you who have Kyosho kits. You guys need to either email us if you're not on Facebook, contact at rcroundtable.com, or just go ahead and share your your Kyosho models, and then you'll make Terry very happy. Well, and I should t- probably I should qualify a little. I don't just like every Kyosho kit, although in general they're good. I like that. 80s, 90s era, early electric stuff, the most. Which was not appreciated at the time for how innovative it was. Yeah. And it's probably not even appreciated enough now. But It's too uh, bad that Kyosho couldn't like take those old molds or something and start remanufacturing them with just uh, some slight updates from modern stuff. Yeah, I I used to have a contact at Kyosho, and it was mostly, mostly for surface stuff. And I kind of broached that topic with them, and it, it didn't have any traction at the time hmm. which was just a couple of years ago so i don't know i don't see much hope for that but who carries kyosho nowadays anyways in the states uh i don't know who's because they, they split off from great plains at one point or tower great plains and then they had their own independent importing and then i don't really know these were airplanes I, I think cars went back to tower but uh, no. no, they have their own office in California, mm. but I don't know who distributes it within the U.S. It might mm. be them, or they might have somebody. I don't know. I think, I think even now they still have some interesting aircraft, but 
good luck getting it unless you, you know, visit Japan or something. Yeah, you can order directly from Kyosho. I think the website is Kyosho America. Mm. So uh, surface and airplane stuff. There's neat things. It's just uh, they're not on the front page anymore like they used to be. You know, my dad had a Kyosho Stratus 2000. And with the NICADs and the brush motor, and it's, I guess, just very poor wing loading. It was... It was one of those planes you you launched and it quickly died and you brought it into land. <laughs> just, and and maybe we just had some really bad battery packs. But I remember being very frustrated flying that thing, and not because it wasn't cool looking, but it just couldn't perform well. Well, I I haven't really much thought about it. I mean, it's it's something we had, and you know, I think because of the frustration, it, it doesn't appeal to me. But like just recently, I was thinking, man, if I could get my hands on a new inbox Stratus two thousand and then swap it with a brushless. And lipo, I'd probably yeah. put it, probably be able to put some smiles back on my face with that thing. Right, and probably just the newfound knowledge that you've picked up in the mm-hmm. past thirty years, you could have better success even with the same components. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that at the time we were running six L's because I don't think that battery, that brush motor, could take more than that. Right. But you know, I guess if you add a little bit more power, just hope the wing holds together because <laughs> it was a balsa wing. You know, but I was just saying, if I if I found one, I'd probably pick one up. I wouldn't pay more than like two hundred bucks for one. I'm not that. No, desperate. no, no. no. <laughs> but it's, it's kind of like I mean, I've know. seen some crazy prices though. I had one guy offer me, you know, like hundred and fifty bucks for a, a Cessna Cardinal one seventy seven. You know, it was new wow. in box, and I just smiled at him and said, "Good luck." <laughs> it's like, you know, I'm not going to pay yeah. that crazy price. It's not a hundred fifty dollar plane. You know, so and and mainly because I have three. <laughs> three others so <laughs> you're not a motivated buyer no but the stratus 2000 might be fun to reading but i when i saw that uh that ag wagon i thought that was pretty cool yeah i agree so build it tony we want to see that puppy fly <laughs> he's going to listen to this show and have it ready for the next podcast probably will <laughs> yeah, probably. so uh... speaking of brush motors we saw something on facebook recently from steven's aero model and Bill Stevens had posted a picture of what was it? Like a 700 size ball bearing brush motor. Yeah. Is talk that... about heat dispersion. <laughs> heat creation. Yeah. Um, and he hinted that that was the power plant of a re-release of some kit. It would have to be a big airplane to use that. Yeah. 700. That motor. So, I know yeah. the boats use that. Hobby Lobby, the old Grobner boats had 700s. Yeah, this was a 12-volt motor, too. Yeah. So, um, I so, remember a lot of planes that use something that big. Um, I don't know. Like. I mean, they have a few <laughs> decent-sized airplanes in the lineup. But. but I'm just thinking, you know, how many people were making 12-volt NICAD packs? They were <laughs> The only thing back then was like a 12-fold SLA battery pack. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so maybe for a boat, you might use that. But yeah. you wouldn't. I mean, you're not making a 12-volt pack. I guess you would. I mean, I, I'm just a... Yeah, that's a 10-cell NICAD. I know, but it's like you're having to build that. It's not like something you'd buy off the shelf. You were usually getting, you know, seven, you know, hump pack, eight, right? Yeah, I mean, there was a, a while there, just a year or two, before LiPos got affordable, that high-cell NICADs and nickel metal hydrides were available. But uh, they were expensive. And at that time, I was building most of them myself. I'd buy the individual cells and then solder them up. Just because I thought it was fun. But 
Anyway, so getting back to the original point of this, I'm curious what he's going to release and and why he felt like a, a big brush motor is the best option. I just picture this really short nose and he needs the ballast for it, but I don't really know. Hmm. You guys care to wager anything? No idea. Is it? No well, idea. Did he have something that his that they made themselves, their own kit? That's that's what I assumed from the post, but I don't know. Maybe he meant a re-release of a much older design by somebody else. I really have no idea. Hmm. So yeah, I'll keep my eyes peeled to see what pops up with that. I thought it was interesting. Yeah, just in a in a brushed. They, they, they specifically said it would be brushed powered. Yeah, he had a picture of a old, I think it was a Grotner Speed 700 ball bearing motor. That's rather, uh, how do I want to say it? Uh, peculiar? Peculiar? Risky? <laughs> <laughs> nah. So anyway, we speculate a lot, but uh, yeah. I think that was the point of his post, to make us speculate. Yeah, so here we, we are. are. We await with bated breath. Yeah. Hey, Fitz. Yeah. Where did the word Velcro come from? No, I have no idea. Is that French? It actually comes from a creation of French words. Really? I just learned this on the the radio. I was listening to that radio thing, the box without pictures. (laughs) (laughs) There's a show called uh, Says You I used to listen to a long time ago. It was off the air for a while, and it's kind of back on, and I was listening to some older episodes, but they talked about the origins of the word Velcro. Came from the plant. Well, it's it's unique. Velcro is actually the name. It's a brand. Okay, so it's Velcro is a privately held company founded by a Swiss electrical engineer in the 50s, but what I thought was cool was where it came from. So what are the two sides? What do we call them? The hook and loop, right? Hook and loop. But here is the story. This is great. He, uh, George de Mistral, how's that? Invented his first touch fastener when in 1941 he went for a walk in the woods and wondered why burdock seeds clung to his coat and dog. He discovered it could be turned into something useful and he patented it. He gave the name Velcro a portmanteau, I guess. Of the French words velour, velvet, and crochet hook. Velcro. Velvet and crochet hook. Crochet makes sense, but velvet? Velvet. So I guess his his material, I guess, was soft. His jacket and so forth was soft, but the the burrs were hook, crochet. So anyway, if you didn't know, I thought I'd pass that on. Velcro means velvet and hook in French. Okay. I, I knew the, the general story of how he was discovered, but I didn't know that the name was, uh, the origin of the name. So, interesting. So, now when you have the two pieces in your hand, velour crochet. Velour crochet. <laughs> <laughs> we French. all know that Terry likes to put the velour on the model and the crochet on the battery. Mm. As most sane people Which do. Which is totally... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what's Mouille a French loco? word for totally wrong <laughs> sacre bleu <laughs> <laughs> where do you put your crochet in your veneur <laughs> no pictures please <laughs> oh well that's my little uh, tip for the day now you know well thanks for sharing that you're welcome 
Interesting story there. <laughs> it's funny because I got I got pieces all over the floor of my hobby shop because I kicked my box of Velcro. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> Velcro explosion. Every, but what was but what's what's funnier to me though is like because I just kept throwing pieces in the box. Actually, this one huge section was stuck to each other. You know, so it was a whole bunch of Velcro <laughs> and hook, one in one big ball. <laughs> they just love each other. So anyway. <laughs> Rules but thank goodness ball. for Velcro. I mean, can you? Gosh, I mean, I, I think almost every kit we, almost almost every kit I have has got some form of use of Velcro in it. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, for sure. Mostly receiver and battery. Yeah, and you know, back then we used to wrap our receivers in foam, and then rubber band, and then stick it somewhere with a lot of padding. And now mm. most of the time we just Velcro it to the side of the fuselage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why right. not? Give a little nod to George de Mistral and thank him for his wonderful invention because it sure has helped us out. Gosh, I mean, the thunder and lightning is only one time have I had a battery come loose from the Velcro, <laughs> but it flew fine. <laughs> just, just a little dangling battery, but that's how I keep my batteries on. I wonder if you could build a plane held together by Velcro. <laughs> so let it be written. <laughs> so let it be done. Terry, <laughs> you want to take us up on that? <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. I have you seen would, some park flyers that have the wing held on. You, you could do that, a Vince. magnet or Velcro. Yeah. Well, no, you if you have like yeah, you could keep the Velcro. I mean, if you're talking about just the like the root the root of the wing to the fuselage, is that what you're thinking, Fitz? Or actually, like have Velcro inside the the edge and it slides in a spar or wing tube. No, no, the wing would be like held on Velcro. Maybe the root held on Velcro. Okay. Maybe the tail held on by Velcro. Velcro struts. Velcro struts, yeah. <laughs> Just Velcro build the entire gear. fuselage out of the velvet, <laughs> and then everything else is hook. <laughs> it sticks to it. All right. Oh, Nick, boy. That... <laughs> and right, I'm going to steer we're... us back onto the road here. Uh, okay. Right. I, I was enjoying that story, but thanks a lot. <laughs> You're enjoying it too much. Okay. So. What, Terry? No, that's it. What's our next topic? I know we have more. Uh, uh, we had we had a uh, fan mail. You want me to bring that one up? Sure. Surprise, because Fitz has no idea. He's like, "What fan mail?" Huh? What so I'm doing a shout out mail? to a gentleman. Yeah, a gentleman by the name of Raymond Wright emailed us, and in a nutshell, his comment was, "You know, why are we talking about making a big plane like the Sky Raider um, electric?" versus going with uh, a gas or glow type engine because the cost is so much. And he was comparing like a hacker Q80 size motor, which is 620 bucks or a, and a jetty ESC, which might be around 300 bucks. And then of course, all the huge lipo packs for costing nearly a thousand dollars to get into electric versus getting a 300, $400 EME gas engine instead. Do you want to take a, Shot at responding. Who are you asking? Both of you. We'll go with Fitz first. Okay, so I did see that, and my first thought was I both agreed with him and disagreed with him. In, in the I'll sense. agree with you. I'll agree and disagree with you. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and we've we discussed this before, where when you start getting large models, electrics don't get are not as practical. You really do it because you just like electrics or something. Uh, but I think his his. With all due respect, his uh, examples were really edge cases. He like picked the most expensive uh, Cadillac of motors that he could, 
uh, kind of the same electric. with the speed control, electric motor. Yes, yeah. he said you can get a hacker, and yeah, hackers. It's like saying, yeah, you know, why get an electric car when you know they all cost a hundred thousand dollars? It's like no, <laughs> some do, but there's a lot of them that don't. So you can certainly get an equivalent motor for for half that price that he was or or less than he was quoting for the same uh, power class of motors. Um, same thing with speed controller. You can get speed controllers a bit cheaper than that too. One um, of reasonable quality. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the stuff that I've used in my Zero. Again, I fly big electrics too, and uh, like you know, I'm sure you guys and Lee, I know, has one um, where it is basically uh, a 50 cc equivalent. And I didn't pay anywhere near what he was talking about for the motor and speed controller. And uh, batteries are not cheap. Uh, sometimes you can find used ones. I, I generally don't like used batteries, but I did find uh, a good deal on some 8S pack. No, 6S. 6S 8000 packs um, that I couldn't pass up, and they've been okay. I can discharge it for you. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, uh, so... While yeah, I think in the long term you still got you still spending quite a bit of money. You know, even if you spend two three hundred for a motor and maybe another two hundred for a speed controller, it's five hundred, and you're gonna probably pay another two or three hundred for if you go really big battery packs. So maybe you're talking about um, six hundred bucks or something like that. No, wait a minute, am I off? I lost track of the numbers. Uh, for yeah, okay, six seven hundred bucks, something in that area. So uh, yeah, you're still gonna shell out some money, and of course, if you're if you're not in a rush, hang out at the RC groups. Um, uh, what do you call it? Um, buy sell classifieds. Classified. Yeah, and, and that's what I did. I just you know I had a big project in mind. I said, well, let me just kind of keep an eye on the classifieds, see if any big motors come up, and inevitably they do. You come up, somebody says, yeah, I got this. I think that's the one in the motor I have in the zero. I didn't buy it new. I bought it used for like a hundred bucks, and it's just. 50cc equivalent motor uh, and a speed controller there's lots of options in speed controllers and even name brands you get for a couple hundred bucks and, and they go down from there so uh, there's ways to save money if, you, if you're not in a rush and willing to be a little patient and uh, you can it can be done on a much better budget than spending a thousand bucks so huh. that's why I said I agreed and disagreed with him so I think he used edge cases on the on the motors, not bad motors. Hackers are basically the the, the Ferraris, the Porsches of electric motors. Very really high quality motors, lots of power. Uh, but unless you're really trying to do competition or eke out the last bit of power, you can certainly go with other brands of motors easily. Uh, but it's still going to be more expensive than gas. And I think that the whole point of that was yes, you know, you buy a. Uh, I was just talking about the EME. What is it? $300, $350 engine, and that's it. You just buy the engine, and it's a nominal cost in gasoline, and you just keep the thing a run for years off of, you know, a couple dollars a gallon of gas. Do you have to mix oil with that? Yes, you do. You do need a little bit of lubricant oil, like um, uh, some synthetic or castor oil or whatever. Not a whole lot, though. You're talking about maybe four ounce, four or five ounces in a gallon. Do you run ethanol-free gas in that? I do. I have a supplier nearby that sells ethanol. Well, we have a, in here in Texas, we have a couple of options. The Bucky's usually has an option of ethanol-free, um, but I also have a place that 
specializes in fuel, and they also sell some really nice ethanol-free, high-octane gasoline. That's It also has a longer shelf life, too, so... Hmm. So, yeah. And I, I think I Lee, Lee has stories. He's talked about before. He found the hard way you really want to use ethanol-free gas. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Lee's experience was with generators, right? But, I mean, a, a two-stroke small engine is a two-stroke well, small yeah, engine. Yeah, still, still small engines because even, like, my weed eater and chainsaw, they my chainsaw saw some damage, too. But I'm going to tack on kind of what DeFit said. I mean, it really is your decision. Whether it's a cost... You know, some people favor the noise and the gas and the realism, and some people favor the ease and the cleanup, which is zero <laughs> with electric. Yeah. You know, I'll, I mean, I'll tell you, I mean, I, I flew an old glow uh, engine that was my dad's that flies on a solo strike at a Hangar 9 solo strike. And I love the way it sounds. It flies at like quarter throttle. It just I love the putt, putt, putt. But the cleanup's a mess. And sometimes there's maintenance. And, you know, never once have I had to check the valve uh, heights <laughs> on, on an electric motor. Um, you don't check your electric motor valve clearance? <laughs> I don't check the valve clearance. Kinda... And, you know, adding the oil or getting fuel. And another thing is uh, the shelf life of some glow fuel is, is short and not recommended you just keep it around for a while. And that's that's a give or take. I've, that's what I've heard from other people. And it depends on how you store it. But I prefer to use fresh fuel because I don't want a dead stick. And with electric, you usually get a warning. You usually get a feel that you say, yeah, it's not, you know, it's not 100% or you have telemetry, so you know to come down. And besides cleanup, you know, having to add the additives, that's a nuisance. Having to add your glow starter or the other add-on. See, one thing he didn't mention was an electric start <laughs> fits, which I know you're going to, like, put on every future gas airplane, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, stuff like that or the ign- ignition setup. Uh, having to configure that. And I think you just have, a, pardon me if I'm, I'm not trying to uh, make it at which is better electric versus gas, but I think you have more points of failure with a gas setup than you do electric. And that, you know, fits, you had a switch go out on you. So we bypassed it and we got, we figured it out. Um, yeah, my gas man, you, the muffler bolts are always coming loose on my electrics. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was going to say that, Terry. Damn you. I was like, yeah, I can't remember the last time I had to tighten my, my electric muffler bolts. And uh, what was the other thing that the other day? It was just, oh, for example, when uh, we were going back to our flying last weekend, we didn't mention the shock cubs. But Wally had taken out the silver black version of the shot cub with a brand new engine and he had to break it in and we could tell there were some issues and he had to come back down and make some adjustments and stuff like that. And, you know, on an, any given day or excuse me, a couple of seasons, you can have to retune your engine because of changes in the atmosphere, or, you know, stuff like that, because, you know, you got to tune it just right. And, you know, you don't want it to lean out on you stuff like that and and i've had people who've had engine failures completely engine failures and they they're done that engine's gone and i'm gonna knock on wood here except for when i've uh, lawn darted an electric airplane um, most of the crashes that i've had have not actually injured the electric motor damaged injured oh (laughs) (laughs) i've hurt my coil Uh, all right so that's my story what what do you want to add into that terry uh not a whole lot you hit most of the points that i had considered the main one being that cost isn't everything, and I will concede that there is a cost difference. And my guess is it probably starts to favor gasoline. If cost is your only concern, probably at the 20cc mark, it doesn't make sense. 
20 cc and above it doesn't make sense to go electric anymore but like you said the cost is not the only consideration and at the same time um i've seen plenty of people have trouble with electrics myself included i've burned electric motors um there is some tuning involved there's some planning involved yeah. but it seems to be less dependent on outside influences such as the weather and things like that so typically yeah. once you get it right it it's good all the time it, now there's a couple it depends on of course pre we mentioned personal preference but also a couple of things i just thought of one scale aircraft with electric you don't have to cut out the cowl and stuff for the cylinder heads yeah. and muffler ex, ex, um, clearances and that kind of stuff you can have a really mm. nice clean airframe if you're doing a competition or you just don't like the look of a you know a p51 with a single cylinder hanging out of it right. kind of a bottom or something uh and second is performance now my zero 12s uh 50cc size um it'll it'll go straight up indefinitely pretty much mm -hmm. uh for the uh, level speed is probably about the same if i pour on the coals about the same as any of the gassers maybe slightly slower but um not significantly but it'll it'll do what the gassers won't and, and that's from takeoff go straight up until it's a dot and come back around um i've yet to see any of the gas planes do that <laughs> now granted it's quiet it doesn't have the, the the thrill and the sound but if you really like ultimate performance in, in certain aspects uh, electric still is even in big ones still does really really good yeah and so just I, to oh sorry terry was, i was just going to say how do you summarize i think it all boils down to personal preference if you're talking about planes that size, budget, uh, I think for a few of us, is going to be the only, not going to be the only consideration. Because certainly, if you're concerned about money, you could get smaller airplanes. But <laughs> Yeah, good point. <laughs> um, yeah, I just think it boils down to what you like and what, you know. Yeah. Well, and I think the wowsers in your trousers. Yeah. I, Terry, do you have a gas plane? I do. I have... Uh, a valve, the ESM 80-inch valve with a 30cc DLE. But oh, you yeah, haven't flown it right. in a while, right? I, I've never flown it since I got it. <laughs> you have one. Getting, you have it's not flown. <laughs> yeah, I got it right before I moved to New York, and I just haven't messed with it uh, since I've been up here. I really yeah. need to get out and uh, change out the fuel lines and do something with it. You know, I'm first in line if you ever decide to get rid of it, right? Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, Raymond, my comment to you was thank you for the email. I, I appreciate that, and certainly it's a – it's a good topic, and what I like about all three of us is that we've flown all three, gas, glow, and electric, and just for fun, to, to let you know, I mean, my top flight Corsair, my Wilson, is a gas DLE 20, and I love it. I love the sound. I like that I, I tried to run a gas engine. I love that my success with that engine has been great. I've been flying it without any issues. It's messy. I had to cut up my cowl as, as Fitz said, but I do thoroughly enjoy that airplane. And on the other side, I have this H and M Corsair that Terry gave me that has a Scorpion motor, which I killed the first one. Cause I did nose it over. And I think you have that Fitz. I think I gave that motor to you or did I send it back to you, Terry? No, I think no. I've got it. Okay. So, so I, I went got another bought, one then. 
Like, oh, <laughs> well, for I you thought... two, Lee, that's got a bent shaft or something. Yeah. Well, no, I think that that was a different airplane. So I think, okay. yeah, Terry, I gave it back to you. But I went ahead and bought another Scorpion motor because I loved how well that one performed. And it wasn't cheap. It was 180 bucks, maybe. Oh, I sounds mean, right. But they are good was, motors. They're very good motors. It is. It's a great motor. So, yeah, I mean, I had to pay the price. But I'll tell you, Raymond, of the two planes, the Corsair, uh, the Top Flight Corsair, that's my most expensive aircraft in my hangar. And so it's gas. You know, even though I have that very expensive electric motor on the other one, you know, a thousand dollar plus value of that gas Corsair doesn't feel cheap to me at all. <laughs> so <laughs> I didn't feel like I saved any money, but I did. I put everything I could into it because I, I really like how it flies. So our final summary of our answer is a very noncommittal it depends. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it depends. What, how much money do you have? <laughs> Get a good yeah. deal on classified or Facebook uh, or marketplace. Yeah, it's really personal preference. So yeah, you can't beat the, the cost of gas and the big stuff, but there's more to the story. So that's yes, you know. That's and I got to tell you, it, the other day we were flying, and a, a guy mentioned to us. I think Terry uh, Fitz was with me, and he just says, "I can't stand electrics because I can't hear them." <laughs> yep, yep. So he wanted the noise. <laughs> He's paying for that noise, and that's what he wants. <laughs> I want a noise. I'm here loud. <laughs> <laughs> bring in the noise, bring in the funk. Well, yes. you know, <laughs> this is, I think we, I even went as far as mentioning this and Fitz was there when that Sky Raider went down at Bomber, that electric Sky Raider. We oh, yeah. think one of the issues was that he lost power, but he could not hear it because like three or four other planes in the air that were gas, he could not hear the RPM change. And so he thought he had full power and the video proved otherwise. And so he, unfortunately, he stalled it because he just didn't have the power he assumed he had on his throttle control or his yeah, throttle position. Yeah. yeah, I'll agree with that. Flying an electric in a noisy environment is a little bit disconcerting. Yeah, I was thinking about that. It'd be nice if we had some sort of telemetry that would give us a warning that, you know, your your, your motor just stopped. Kind of like a, a flame out when turbines have sort of a flame out indicator or compressor mm-hmm. stall or something like that. You know, something with electric motors that... If, if you, your throttle position doesn't match the RPM, you get a warning that you've got a failure. And well, Fitz, they do have that. If, if you have a telemetry radio, you can add a telemetry receiver with an RPM gauge on it. I get, yeah, I guess. Can you assign a warning? And how would you do it so that you're not beeping when you're idle? Maybe a minimum? There's a little more to the equation. That's why I was thinking. <laughs> Hello, computer. I'm flying now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> do not warn me. If while I'm flying, I don't yeah, know, maybe right. don't. I don't know if there's any. Um, uh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, if you could link it to like a gear switch or something, that maybe. But I don't know. I, that's an interesting question. Maybe I'll look into the, the telemetry options on my radio. See if that's even a possibility. Oh, <laughs> speaking of uh, of fan mail, but I, I kind of it's a weird segue. But did you know no one emailed us back for that uh, that joke? <laughs> I guess it's too we, obscure. We had no submissions for our reference in the last podcast. And and the best part is Terry didn't get the reference either. Oh, oh I was just playing along. I had no idea, idea what you guys were mostly, talking about. Yeah. Mostly. We'll mostly come out at it. night. Mostly. You want to tell it. them, Fitz? Yeah, I guess I'll tell you. There's nobody. And this negates the sticker, so you lost your chance. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, a line from Aliens. When uh, they were... They were um, uh, Stranded. They were stranded. They were just about to go back to the ship, and Alien got aboard the little dropship fighter plane thing, and uh, it crashed. And they're like, oh, crap, what are we going to do now? 
uh, I think it was shortly after the famous game over line. Game over, yeah, man. Game exactly. over. <laughs> and the little girl says, we, we better go hide somewhere. They come out at night, mostly. You finished. That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. We better get back because it'll be dark soon. And they mostly come at night. Mostly. Mostly. <laughs> mostly. <Yeah. laughs> so what do they what do they call that? The lottery? It's now a carryover. carryover. So now it's two stickers. <laughs> two stickers for the next obscure The next trivia reference. is worth two stickers. <laughs> one for yourself and one for your friend. All right. Yeah. Uh, anyways. Uh, we talk about the model aviation article. Article. The oh, trifecta. The trifecta. I, I guess the last yeah. last thing we want to talk about today. Are we tuning our own horns again? Toot, toot. It's not tuning, it's informing the audience. Yeah, okay. it's toot, toot, toot. To, informing <laughs> them of our greatness, that's it. No, just kidding. <laughs> and our humility. Humility. Well, I think it's great because someone had asked, uh, when I posted it on our Facebook page, I think it was Joshua who responded saying, did y'all, uh, how did y'all get that uh, you know, trifecta in there? And I said blackmail, the AMA responded. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I so, thought that was uh, Jason Klein. Oh, I couldn't remember. So it was a Jason. Yeah. I apologize. Yeah. Or Josh. We'll give you credit well, to you, whatever. Josh. Some Jay. I'm sure you're thinking about this. <laughs> but I thought that was great because I said blackmail, then the AMA responded. We're fine. We love the RC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got to hand it to the AMA. They've, been, they've had a real good uh, humorous take on it, too. They've yeah. been real. All the while tapping SOS and Morse code. <laughs> yeah, with their eyelids. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're not quite getting what we're talking about, uh, they reveal the next, I guess, the March. Is it a March or April? March. It's March. March issue of the Model Aviation magazine, and dun dun dun, Terry made the cover again with his um, uh, the the Chinese trainer. What was it called? Nanchang CJ six. CJ six. That's it. The Jeep. Yep. Uh, so that makes two covers in a row because your Yin Yang made it is in the current issue, the February. That's right. So you made. And on their live podcast, they were saying that you may be the first person that's ever done that, but they weren't sure and they wanted to go check the archives. Oh, but yeah, I would couldn't... be surprised if that's the case, but uh, I'm honored either way. Well, it's a rare occurrence to get the cover. I was going to say, but you are up there, man. Yeah. Not, it's like multiple Oscar winners, man. Yeah. <laughs> I, you probably get to go to a VIP party now. Yeah, really? Just I'm remember sure. us when you do. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> No, it is fun to get on the cover. So I, whether I'm the only person to have that happen to or or not, it's uh, it's always cool to have a cover shot. And I think it's also that it's, I think all three of us were in the pre in the current issue and in the March as well. Is that right? That is correct. So not only was Lee on a, uh, Terry on the cover both times, but all three of us have published works in the magazine two times in a row. Yes. So obviously mine is the review of that FMS CJ6. What did you write, Fitz? Uh, I wrote, uh, I waxed poetically on the joys and tribulations of flying Cox 049 powered airplanes. Okay. Um, it's cool. sort of a, just a, not really, a, it's not a review. It's just sort of a, a slice through history and sort of a, just a, Soliloquy, is that a right word to say? An homage. Homage, that's it. Thank you. Homage to Cox engines and similar type engines and that kind of stuff. So it's a little bit of a branch off of the Small Steps article I did. Okay. Uh, so it just, just shows some pictures of different planes and the, the trials and tribulations of, of playing with little tiny engines that may or may not run. <laughs> <laughs> there we so, go with more French words. 
more French words. We're full so. of those. Yeah. Homage. Homage. Soliloquy. That's probably French too. Uh, so this is kind of a fun article to write. Um, I didn't really get, try not to get too technical about it and just kind of give people an overview of what these engines were in case they weren't familiar. And uh, I just was able to pull out some pictures and stuff of stuff I had around, planes I had, and some engines I had out of a, in a drawer. And just uh, curious to see the feedback and what people thought of it since it wasn't, wasn't really a hard review or it wasn't really a specific thing. It was sort of a, just a whimsical take on flying. So, anyways. You know, I uh, bet you're going to hit a lot of people right in the fields. I would not be surprised at all if you get a lot of emails from that. Uh, you, get, you guys get a chance to read it yet, by the way? No, um, I don't have my thing set up to get the digital edition, oh. so I'm waiting on the print version. I only have the digital, so. Oh, you're backwards for yeah. me then. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I guess. And, of course, Lee, our uh, resident photographer, is uh, is credited, too, for some pictures he took at Small some couple years ago or so. Nice. Thank you, Lee. You're welcome. Yes. Well, good shots, as always. Well, it was, a, it was a fun plane that you built. Yeah, which one was that? The QT. Have, have you oh, flown okay. it, Lee? Did you fly it? <gasps> no. Oh, crap. We haven't flown it. <laughs> so, so that leads me the um, that that uh, what what's the club near you? Not yours, but the other one. Uh, is it S- Space City? Sparks Space City. Well, Space City's. Uh, oh, Sparks is the one that does the vintage, but uh, Space City's the one just down the road from us. Oh, uh, maybe it's Sparks. The one they're having another vintage fly in. That's Sparks. That's Sparks. Okay, I saw that. It's coming up in a month or two. So, oh, well, I'll find the flyer and put it on our Facebook page. Okay. Well, if you make it, I'll bring a QT and I'll let you fly it. I'm surprised I didn't let you fly it. Oh, I think you were late or you didn't come up that day or something. Oh, see how we turned that around, Lee? Uh, I don't know. I suddenly got slapped in the face. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be quiet. <laughs> so anyway, so yeah, Lee, next time you and it are at the same place, I'll let you fly it. It's, it's a, such a fun plane to fly. Maybe I'll be busy flying my vintage airplanes. <laughs> okay, then. Here's my care. Another brand of uh, Fitz Fuel. <laughs> <laughs> Bob's Fuel. Bob's Fuel. <laughs> yeah, talk about that, though, while, you're, while we're talking about half-A stuff. What do you mean? For those who don't know that you make Fitz Fuel. Oh, yeah, I have a little side gig where I, I make fuel. And I specialize in fuel for 049 uh, Cox engines and old-timey control line engines that need lots and lots of... Uh, castor oil and slobber all over th- everything. So uh, it's literally called Fitz Fuels. Fitzfuels.com, or you can uh, see me on eBay uh, under uh, E Hellies. So I've been doing that for a little while. I kind of fell into it, but uh, it's been uh, uh, it's sort of a really niche thing, and people have shown appreciation and say, "Hey, it's great that you you do this because this fuel is kind of hard to find." O four nines, like I mentioned, in my article require a kind of a special mix of um, oils to perform the best, and that's not not the normal glow fuel. So, mm. uh, so I have a special mix that I use that, that does really well. And so, and I, <laughs> do, do you do you dress up like Walter White when you make that stuff and tell people to call you Heisenberg? <laughs> 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 you have a big yellow suit when you're mixing all those chemicals. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I spend uh, hours looking for that one fly in my garage. <laughs> or or wasp in my case. Um, yeah. Do you know in Star Trek there's a uh, for the transporters they have something called a Heisenberg compensator. 
Yes, yes. There was an actual episode about that. <laughs> yeah. So when I was watching uh, um, Breaking Bags, I'm Heisenberg. I was like, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> of course, Heisenberg was just a um, German physicist, but uh, still, I thought it was just interesting. Um, yeah. ooh, what else? Uh, so that's where, it. So where if can you, they um, get the Fitz Fuel? So, Why don't you market yourself a little better there, Fitz? Where can they find Fitz Fuel? <laughs> Not at their I local Walmart. Is Website, fitzfuels.com. Fuels, or on, plural, right? Or on, on eBay. Okay. And what, how many mixes do you offer? Uh, I keep, right now I have one, two, three, four. So I have 15, 24, and 35%. And I also have a special 5% for old control line engines, like the, 30, like the, the uh, McCoys and KMB and that kind of stuff that has like almost 30% oil. Uh, in it have you ever mixed something more than like 40 percent for somebody i did there was a guy he's here in texas i want my glow engine to glow literally he he does like (laughs) apparently he does speed stuff on his 049s and 020s and he says hey can you mix me up some like 40 it was like an odd thing it was like 42 percent or something <laughs> hey like, can you hit me up for 40 <laughs> yeah and is that a, a, I said, yeah i can do that i can do anything you want so i have a i have a i can calculate all this stuff so i said sure <laughs> it was funny is since he had such an odd thing i made him a special label he has his own personalized label when I when I did it, just for giggles. <laughs> you, I was gonna say you should probably also put it like in another foam container, like when they do. They talk about like nitroglycerin, how how difficult it is to handle. So you like it goes into this one huge like you know foam case. <laughs> <laughs> what well, was funny if you don't, read the if you read the label if you read the label carefully, I have like little disclaimers. Normally, so you know don't don't drink, don't put in your eye and stuff. But I also added you know, not for use by pregnant women. <laughs> <laughs> that right. kind of stuff. I had a little bit of fun with the label just for his case. Uh, so, yes, I can do, and I do for some local guys. I, so I sell some fuel to the local club members and stuff. And I have another guy, he said, Hey, can, I need a special mix. I need only a little bit of caster, but more synthetic, or vice versa, or, or give me some odd percentage of nitro. Yeah, so yeah, I do it all the time. Hey, speaking of caster, I overheard you talking about your uh, Sonier. Yeah. And that you were uh, breaking in the engine with uh, castor oil? Yes, yes. That Gosh, I, I didn't even do that with mine. But I, I just used that, uh, gosh, that red, what do they call it, Redline? Yeah, Redline uh, synth, uh, oil, oil, synthetic but, lubricant. Well, yeah. I, I, I'm following the instructions. And when I read the instructions, they said, for break-in, use a petroleum-based lubricant for the first, I don't know, gallon or whatever. Then you can switch to a synthetic lubricant. Huh. That was in the instructions, so I said, "Well, I have both, so it's not a problem for me to mix up some uh, some uh, petroleum caster in there. It's good stuff, Klotz oil, um, and ben- Benol. Sorry, Benol's caster. Klotz is a synthetic, uh, and so I mixed up. That's why, if you notice, I had two different tanks of fuel out at the field: one for the shock cub and one for the uh, solenoid, because the shock cub is using synthetic lubricant and the solenoid is using caster, at least for the time being." Interesting. Yeah. All right. Maybe that's what's making your muffler come off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's getting too, too... It's too oily. Too oily, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, then. Um, so, anything else? Are we going to wrap this thing up, I guess? Do we hit everything on the list? I think we hit everything on the list. Well, yes, you mentioned ah. you were You were mentioning you were doing a 3D plane. Uh, Austin's... 
printing an Eclipsen A. Yeah, the Model A. How, how far is he along with it? He's finished. Oh, really? And he's uh, he hasn't flown it yet, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's like his dad. It, you remember how my Cessna, my first Cessna 337 was colorful? Yeah. yeah. His was colorful. <laughs> <laughs> Hot pink and yellow. Yeah, I, uh, I, you know, uh, I'm not trying to uh, say bad things about the Blaine. He, I think he was just in a rush, and he did certain things that I wish he would have stepped back and taken a day off and then reevaluate. <laughs> you would have thought about uh, for two seconds. It will, we'll say hinges and leave it at that. So if he listens to the show, he'll know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, but okay. it, uh, you know, it could have come out better, and I think he kind of rushed it. Um, but this was also, <laughs> you'll like this, Fitz. And I'm not sure if we talked about this uh, when I think he called you to ask you some questions about the Eclipse and kits. Uh, but he had to print this at 95% because his printer wasn't big enough. <laughs> oh, so, really? So everything's been shrunk down to 95%. And so far, all, you know, the servo mounts fit. They still fit. And the motor mounts were still in line. So it, that all went together. But it is 5% smaller than the stock. Got to do what you got to do. Uh, I guess so. <laughs> it's the mini version. Yeah, so I'll let y'all know how that goes. And yeah, we're too. we're also finally finishing up the Grand Cruiser, the Dynam Grand Cruiser that we got from our good friend Ben Warren. He uh, had it sitting in his rafters in his woodworking shop for quite some time. He'd been meaning to do a paint job on it. I think he got it secondhand from somebody, and he did this beautiful job. Uh, I say glassing, but it was. Uh, uh, two, three, four, silk span and water-based polyurethane and sanding it and primering it and painting it this beautiful smooth color and it just makes you mad as hell because he's just, oh, it's just so beautiful and I felt bad like ruining it with my paint job of everything else. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, it's unfortunately it's much heavier than my Dynam Grand Cruiser. I have the version two. This is the stock one. Ben was creative and wire cut out the canopy Normally the battery goes underneath, and Fitz, you'd remember this if you hadn't given yours away. <laughs> so we could have had three flying together, but it's an awkward battery compartment. It just was weird, and he—I had seen it as well online, but he had seen somebody else do it, and it's really unique in how it comes out of the fuselage. So we kept that, and I've painted it now, and he is going to maybe this weekend while we're hunkering down in our builds, you know, build phase, our winter build phase right now. Uh, to enter that as a project to to make it look like a scale model. Oh, cool. So it'll probably fly only scale, too. I don't expect much aerobatics from the ex- added pound of paint that we've put on that thing. <laughs> <laughs> you said enter it. Enter it into what? He, there's. It's not just for that. It's an engineering project where you do like six different projects and you just explain what they are. So... Um, one of them is, you know, painting this plane and, and putting it back together. So we have like before and after photos. The 3D plane is also one. So he's doing it all by himself and he's making a little video of all the time lapse uh, of the assembly and so forth. And okay. he's done some stuff at school with the laser printers there as well. So it's just a little, you know, here's what I've done kind of thing. Show you said laser printers, laser cutters? Laser um Well, see, it's really more laser printer. It's a cutter, but he's actually laser engraving. Huh. items at school so he's okay. he likes it a lot i'm and it's one of his best grades too so definitely yeah. engineering is something he's he's good at yeah, that's good 
I'm glad he has those resources. Yep, in our workshop that I can't get into now. <laughs> Fits his tax dollars hard at work. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Zing. <laughs> so that's that. That's all I have for show and tell or sharing today. Okay. If I wanted to see you out and about on the town, where will I find you? Events, things like that. Well, our swap meet was supposed to be today, but it's gotten canceled. So I think they've pushed it to next week, but I think it's just going to be just as cold. So we'll see how that goes. And golly, you know what? You kind of surprised me there. So I don't have anything on my calendar or on my phone. But uh, there are a couple of events. Fitz, do you have anything on your list? Uh, let's see. Yeah. So yeah, you your, your swap meet on a vintage thing. Vintage. That that's on the 27th of March. Uh, let's see, uh, another club to Alvin is on the 3rd of April has a big bird. Oh, um, I haven't talked to you about this, Lee, but I'm thinking I'm having another boat event on the 20th of March. Yay. Um, so there's that. Um, there's the tiny event, the TI, the indoor, the big indoor flying event in, I forgot oh, yeah. what the heck that was. Oh, yeah. San Angelo. San Angelo. Um, I was thinking of going to that, but I don't. No, if I can make it work, might be getting in the way. Um, but we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Um, so that's on um, the first weekend of March. Five, uh, the fifth through the seventh. Oh, that's coming up. Yeah, that's right around the corner. Yeah, that's why I'm saying, and I've been hammered at work, so. So that's a few things. I guess we could post those online when we get a chance. Uh, oh, Bomber Field is having a jet meet also on the 27th of March. Okay. And I don't know how far we want to go. I think that's it. That's it for a while. Yeah, that's all I have for now. Uh, okay. Small Steps has announced a date on June the 5th and 6th-ish. It's one of those events that there's an official date and there's the date when everybody shows up. Yeah. Which is usually a few days ahead of time, so. Um, okay, good. Uh, okay, then that's a far as far that's everything I have. We can always post other ones on our Facebook page. Yeah, yeah, that's I don't want to go too far ahead. So that's what we have so far. Um, I can hear the listeners snoring right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was me. <laughs> we came to a dull stop right now. All right, well, that's it. Yeah. And now the the five thousand dollar giveaway. Who's ready? Get out your lucky ticket. Wait, you're giving away more. I'm just gonna, no. Oh, that's just to get everybody. <laughs> just to see how I woke them up. <laughs> what ticket? Ticket. Remember to drink your Ovaltine. If you listened to the last episode and signed up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I think that's it. We will wrap this up. Please wrap it up. All right. Well, there you go. Another wonderful, fantastic, magastic uh, episode of the RC Roundtable. Thank everybody for joining us as usual. Uh, as we said, we'd love to hear from you. We had a, that, that email was great and hopefully uh, he's, he will continue to listen to the show. <laughs> <laughs> we love you and uh, all due respect. Once again, thanks for writing to us and uh, any last words before we bug out? It has to be French. Uh, au revoir. Au revoir, messieurs, madames. Baguette. <laughs> Baguette. Is that croissant? croissant? Yeah, I gotta say, is that something you eat? <laughs> Briquette. Uh, I don't know. Uh, French was never really my 
my thing. Sorry. How about au revoir? Au revoir. I already said. I did. We did. We said that already. <laughs> did we? we say it again? <laughs> au revoir. Au revoir. Okay. Well, uh, I guess on that note, thanks, guys. Great time as usual, and we will see you on the flip side. Visit our website at rcroundtable.com, where you can send us comments and suggestions, or listen to our other great podcasts. Where you will also find links to our iTunes and social media sites. Thanks for listening. <laughs>